So the first, <clears throat> the first reading is from Genesis chapter 12, and this can be found on page 13 of your church Bibles. <clears throat> the call of Abraham. The Lord had said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. The second reading is from Galatians chapter 3, and that can be found on page 1169 of the Church Bibles, beginning at verse 7. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might become to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has already been established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later 
does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmist prays, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have given us your perfect law, your perfect word, that in it we can discover you and discover the truths about ourselves and the truths about our world. But as the psalmist recognizes, Father, we know that that is your work by your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, we pray that you would open up our eyes as we read this word from Genesis and Galatians. Please help us to discover its riches. Help us to apply it to our hearts. Help us to live it out, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Those words, they're from the very first verse of the Old Testament, Genesis 1-1. I guess that lots of us, maybe not all, but lots of us will know those words. They are the very first words of the Old Testament, but the very first words in the New Testament are probably less familiar. Don't worry, I'm not going to get you to tell me. Uh, I didn't know. I had to look it up myself. Uh, Let's turn uh, together. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and it's on page 965. Matthew, Matthew 1, one says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. They're less familiar words. It's a less familiar verse. And if we're honest, it seems a little bit less grand. I mean, Genesis 1.1, it talks about the creation of the cosmos by God. And this is talking about genealogies of sons of David, sons of Abraham. It doesn't seem as grand as the opening of the Old Testament. But the thing is, that's because we've not understood the gravity of what is being claimed here. So if you were a first century Jewish person and you read this claim, a claim that a crucified carpenter, a guy from a kind of nothing town called Nazareth, if you read that he was being claimed to be the son of David, the son of Abraham, well, you'd think that it's up there with a kind of Genesis 1-1 type of claim. Uh, you get a glimpse of that in chapter 3. Turn over the page um, to chapter 3, verse 9. Here's John the Baptist. He's preparing the way for Jesus. And he says this to the Jewish leaders. And do, verse 9, And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. I remember looking at that passage a couple of years ago, and I thought, why, why is that focused upon? I mean, John the Baptist presumably said lots of things, and yet the focus is on this issue of Abraham, Abraham's children, people claiming to be Abraham's children, and John the Baptist rebuking them. What's the big deal with Abraham and his children? Well, that's what I want us to look at this morning. That's hopefully what we'll discover. I, I want us to see that this issue of who Abraham is and and who his children are isn't a kind of quirky kind of 
first century Jewish question, but actually it's a question that concerns each and every one of us. Now, as I say that, I realize that's probably not immediately obvious. So, so what I want us to do is take a step back and to think, what did Abraham represent? And uh, we're going to do that on our first point. And then we're going to trace through Abraham to Jesus and to us. If you want to follow along, um, the talk points are on the service sheet, and you'll see where we're going. But first of all, let's ask this question then. What did Abraham represent? Well, the answer to that is that Abraham represented God's blessing. Uh, To see that, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Sorry, there is going to be a bit of page flicking. I'm sorry. Well, sort of sorry. (laughs) Page 13. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 says this, The Lord had said to Abraham, um, Abraham and Abraham, they're the same guy. He gets his name changed a couple of chapters later. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not really sure where this guy Abraham comes from. He's mentioned in the previous chapter, but it's only a couple of verses. But this guy comes onto the scene, and he's hugely significant. Because God speaks to him, and God promises to bless him. What is that blessing? Well, verse 1, it's a land. He's to go from his land of his family. He's to go to a new land that God will give him. And verse 2, he will be a great nation. His descendants will be many. But it's more than kind of just land and people, as great as those things are. It is being in God's favor. Um, These words like blessing and curse, they're they're hard for us in our kind of secular culture to kind of get our head around how significant they are. See, words like blessing and curse were not everyday words. You wouldn't just say them, but they would be hugely significant words. Uh, People kind of believe that there was a, a kind of power in those words, that if you said a blessing or you said a curse, then, then that would happen. I was thinking about this, and I think the closest thing we get to in our culture is that, I don't know if you remember at school when you would argue with people and there'd be an argument with two people and someone would try and convince the other person they were telling the truth, um, and one of the people would say, swear on your family's life or swear on your mother's life or something like that. It was a bit of a horrible thing to say, And at that point, that was the point in which the person would go, well, I'm not going to do that. Because there was a kind of, you know, sense that actually we didn't want that to come true. And I guess that's the closest you get to here. But a word of blessing and a word of curse is hugely significant by a human being. But to be blessed by God, to be blessed by God, the one who can actually bring this about, well, that is off the scale. It means Abraham is in God's favor. You see that in Genesis, we won't look at it now, but you see that in the the following chapters. Abraham, he's in a relationship with God, he stuffs up time and time again, but God forgives his sin, he treats him as righteous. God is for him, despite his enemies, and God um, 
causes him to prosper. But the incredible thing is, it's not just Abraham who gets blessed. Do you see in verse 3? End of verse 3 there. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So yes, God blesses this one man, but actually through this one man, blessing is going to come to the whole earth. Um, that's considerable, um, that's significant when you think what's happened so far in the story. Last week, Clive taught, taught us about the fall, and it was the point in which Adam and Eve went out from the Garden of Eden, went out from the place of God's blessing. And here is God, for the first time in this story, promising to bless once more. See, God is blessing this one man, and through this one man, God is going to bless the world again after the fall. I don't know how you think of God. Do you think of God as a God who blesses? Some of us, uh, I know we can, we can think of God as a, as a judge, who judges sin, who kind of keeps the cosmos in order. And that is true. God does judge. He does not tolerate wickedness. But he is a God who blesses. Um, for me, it's less God as a judge. I, I do kind of believe that God blesses, but I kind of think you, you have to really twist his arm, that it requires a lot of prayer, and God almost holds back things from me. But actually, God's character is to bless. He is a God who blesses. He blessed humanity when he created them, and he blesses Abraham, and through Abraham, he blesses the world. Now, the question this raises is, how does this blessing to Abraham relate to the blessing to the world? How do those two ideas link? How does the blessing to Abraham uh, filter down to the blessing to the world? And in lots of ways, that is the question the whole Bible answers. It's the question that runs through and doesn't get answered to the end. But we do get a glimpse of that answer in chapter 17. Have a look at, over the page uh, at chapter 17, verse 7. God speaking, he says, I'll give you a moment. God speaking, he says this in verse 7, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Who's the covenant with? Well, it's with God. It's with Abraham. Do you spot who else? It's with his descendants. And this is the key thing we've got to grasp to, to understand the significance of Abraham. It is Abraham's descendants who are blessed. This, this man, Abraham, and his descendants becomes the focal point of God's blessing. This might be a, an old-fashioned old kind of example, but do you guys still get kind of seaside rock? I haven't been to seaside for years to, to kind of know, but um, I guess it's still a thing where, you, yeah, yeah, people are nodding. Um, if you don't know, seaside rock, it's basically concentrated sugar, and um, people think it's a good idea to give to children. I used to go to the seaside with my grandparents, and uh, they would give me these sticks of rock, and, well, now I've got fillings, and, um, well, they thought it was a good idea. But um, the, the fun thing about Seaside Rock is that it would have the words of the place on it, 
at one end and the other end. And um, you could have quite a lot of fun just breaking the rock at different points, different angles. I mean, it kept me occupied for hours just breaking it and just seeing the words run right through the rock. And it's almost if we can break the Bible at any point, and this line, this line of blessing is going through it. Abraham and his descendants. And so you can start to see, can't you, this question at the beginning of Matthew, why it's such a big issue for, for John the Baptist, why it's such a big issue to be a child of Abraham, because this is the line through whom God is blessing the world. This is where God's blessings are found. But John the Baptist raises something very interesting. He, he questions who are Abraham's true descendants. See, the Jewish nation, they, they read these promises in Genesis 17, and they assumed that it meant biological descendants having a blood link to Abraham. But as the Bible runs on, you see that it's not just a question of biology. It's not just a question of being linked to Abraham by blood. And that takes us on to our second point. I want us to see that Jesus is Abraham's true descendant. And for that, we've got to turn to Galatians. Uh, so please turn to page 1170. And we read chapter 3, verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed meaning one person who is Christ. You read that and you think, well, what's Paul getting at there? Well, he's getting at the point that actually the descendants of Abraham are not just biological descendants. Actually, the biological descendants of Abraham are not the true descendants. Why are they not the true descendants? Well, because they never received the blessing that was promised to Abraham. They never received the blessing that was promised to Abraham because they rejected the God who gave it. See, after Abraham was given this blessing, he had many children and they did inherit the land. They, they, uh, the, the nation exploded. And as part of that, they promised to devote themselves to God, to have one love to the God who had blessed Abraham but they didn't. They went after other gods, they broke God's laws, and instead of experiencing God's uh, blessing to Abraham, they experienced his curse. All except one. See, there's one person in history, Paul says, who's not only a descendant of Abraham biologically, but he's a true descendant of Abraham in every sense of the word. See, he's a true descendant of Abraham because he was devoted to the God of Abraham. He was a true Israelite. He is the only one who we can say deserved the blessing that was promised to Abraham, and that is Jesus Christ. But the incredible thing is, in Galatians, is that even though he deserved this blessing that was promised to Abraham, he chose curse. Chapter 3, verse 13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. See, this one true descendant of Abraham, this one true Israelite, he should have been blessed. But he exchanged the blessing of God to be cursed by God. He exchanged the blessing of God for the anguish and the curse of a cross. Why would he do that? Well, it's so that you and me can receive Abraham's blessing. 3 verse 14 says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ made himself a curse to bring you blessing. No longer is Abraham's blessing found in obedience. You seem like a nice bunch. I know lots of you. You are a very nice bunch. But if Abraham's blessing depended on your obedience, you would lose it. I would lose it. Israel had a far better start than we ever could imagine, and they lost it. They, they could never love God fully. They could never devote their hearts enough to him. But Abraham's blessing no longer depends on our obedience. It comes through the true descendant of Abraham, Jesus Christ. It comes through his obedience and him being cursed. So that, point three, those who trust in Jesus Christ are children of Abraham. Galatians 3 verse 7 over the page says this, um, understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. And verse 9, so those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, the man of faith. See, Christ, this true descendant of Abraham, he was cursed to bring us blessing so that by faith in him, we can now experience that blessing. We can now be called children of Abraham. We're now part of that blessed family, that one line in whom God has promised to bless the world. When I was uh, back at college a couple of years ago, I, no, a couple of months ago rather, um, seems like a long time ago, but uh, it's good to be here. Um, <laughs> where was I? Uh, college, yes. Uh, when I was at college, I had the privilege of knowing um, a few couples who were involved with the adoption process. And the way it worked uh, up at, uh, in London was that uh, a child would go and stay with the family under a kind of fostering arrangement, and uh, that would last a few months. And if everything went well, then it would go through to the kind of legal um, proceedings and the formal declaration of an adoption. And I remember there were a couple who lived near us who, for whom that happened. They had a, a wonderful child, and it went through to the to the confirmation that she would be adopted and she would be formally part of that family. I remember it was a great cause of celebration as this child now became a legal and fully-fledged member of this new family. Well, our faith in Jesus Christ joins us to Abraham's family. We're legally declared formal members of that family, a family in whom God has committed himself to bless. Like Abraham, we're, we're blessed. We're blessed with a land, not 
a land in the Middle East, a land of Cana, but a new creation, a restored world where there will be no more tears or crying or pain or suffering. Uh, Like Abraham, we're blessed. Uh, We're blessed with a nation, not a physical nation, not of one race, not of 12 tribes, but of a diverse nation from every tribe and tongue and language. Like Abraham, we're blessed. We're forgiven. We're in a relationship with God. God is for us. We're in his favor. By faith in Jesus Christ, we experience the blessings of Abraham. Maybe as I speak about families, um, maybe it's an area that you don't feel particularly blessed with. Maybe you've not had the family you would like. Uh, Maybe through bereavement, through relationship breakdown. Maybe family life just seems imperfect, and you're all too aware of that. Maybe through circumstances, you've never had a family. You've never had the family you longed for. Well, in Jesus Christ, you're part of the most blessed family you can imagine. A family that God has promised to bless with Christ as its head, where every member is cherished. See, John the Baptist, he rebuked the crowds for saying, do not consider Abraham as your father. But as the gospel goes on, and as Jesus Christ dies, and as he is raised again, we can now say that we count Abraham as our father. As we close, if you're not a Christian here this morning, it's very good to have you along, and I appreciate you listening. But I want to ask you a question. Where do you go for blessing? I mean, blessing isn't just a kind of Bible word. Um, All of us want blessing. All of us kind of want happiness and contentment in our life. Where do you go for it? I mean, this is one way. This is the way in which God says blessing is going to come. But I'm also aware that outside of this, there are lots of ways where blessing seems to come. For me, it was always work and performance. I always thought that blessing was going to come in finally being recognized for being a big deal, which I wasn't. Um, I was fooling myself. And so I worked uh, hours and I, I tried to excel in everything for that kind of hope that someone at work would, would recognize me, would say that I'm really good. And, you know, it came once or twice, but it was fleeting. And when it didn't come, it just ate me up. Maybe it's not work, maybe it's relationships. Maybe you, you hope that blessing will come in meeting that one person or having those friends who truly recognize you for who you are. And so you spend hours pouring yourselves out, changing your physical appearance, changing your personality to try and fit in, to try and get that blessing. And when it comes, it's fleeting, and often it doesn't come at all. So there are lots of different avenues, but they, they all involve us pouring ourselves out to try and get blessing, a blessing that isn't really there. But here is God pouring himself out to give you a true blessing that will last for eternity. If you are a Christian, do you understand that you are a child of Abraham today by faith in Jesus Christ? 
as I was reflecting on this passage, I just thought how easy it is to kind of get caught up in life, you know, just trying to keep the kids alive, stop the house being burnt down, that sort of thing. And it's just very easy to just go on and forget who you are. And as I read this and as I thought about it, I just had to stop and remember what it means to be in Abraham, to be his child, to enjoy God's blessing, and to rejoice in who I am. And I hope as we've looked at this topic today, we will do the same. Let's pray. Jesus redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we praise you for who you are. We praise you that you are a God who blesses the world, who treats us more than we deserve. Father, thank you that you chose to bless Abraham and his greater descendant, Jesus Christ, and that through his death and resurrection, that blessing is now enjoyed by us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so sorry for when we do not grasp that. So we ask, Father, that you would write that truth on our hearts, that no matter what our circumstances, no matter how we feel, we would know that we're in Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.